You're listening to the Irish Times Worldview Podcast. Welcome to Worldview from the Irish Times. I'm Dennis Staunton. Today, as Greece elects Europe's first radical left government since the 1930s, we ask if Prime Minister Alexis Tsipras can keep his promise to roll back austerity. What are the consequences for Europe's single currency and for the European Union itself? And could Syriza's victory be the start of something bigger across the continent? I'm joined from Athens by our correspondent, Damien Makanola, from Brussels by our European correspondent, Suzanne Lynch, and here in studio by the Irish Times economics editor, Arthur Beasley, foreign policy editor, Patrick Smith, and columnist Paul Gillespie. Damien uh, Makanola in Athens, can I start with you? And um, as we speak, I think Alexis Tsipras is about to uh, announce his cabinet. What do we know about who's in and who's not uh, as, as we talk now? The, the, the new government was announced uh, in the last hour um, by uh, Alexis Tsipras's new Minister for State and his new uh, spokesman. And it contains a mix of... of some familiar names, names that will be familiar to, to, to most Greeks, but also some names that uh, some of us have to look up, people who were elected on a series of tickets but weren't, uh, weren't politicians before this. Uh, the most important name, I suppose, is that of Yanis Varoufakis, who will take over at the finance ministry. Uh, Varoufakis is an economist uh, at the Athens University. He's also worked in, in, he's also lectured in Australia and in the U.S., and he's been writing and blogging about the financial crisis uh, since you know 2010, and and, ha- and has been engaged in, in 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 all sorts of debates on his blog and with other people. He's travelled around the world. He's written books about it. So he's a very, a very. If if if, if we think that Alexis Tsipras is unconventional, Yanis Varoufakis is very, uh, very unconventional, un- and and somebody who 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 describes himself as thinking. Outside of the box, so I think he's going to be um, a very. Uh, he's going to make a, a, a big difference at Eurozone meetings uh, when 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 he finally uh, gets there. Um, the other names we see other economists. Actually, that's one thing about the cabinet. There's quite a fair mix of economists in there. Another one is Yorgos Dasakis and Yanis Dragasakis, who've had more involvement with Syriza over the years. They've invariably described themselves as Marxists. Uh, or they have been described so uh, as, as such in the media. Um, Dragasakis has taken on the position of Deputy Prime Minister, and uh, Stafakis uh, is at the Economy Ministry. They've created some super ministries. Uh, that's one of the, 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 the new things about this uh, government. So Stafakis is at this new super ministry of, uh, of the economy and transport, shipping and tourism. Damien, uh, um, Damien, Syriza uh, came just short of an overall majority, and so they uh, have formed a coalition with uh, a right-wing group called the Independent Greeks. This took a lot of people outside Greece uh, by surprise. Was it a surprise there, there too? It, it, it was a surprise in the end, although we were we were told it uh, during the election campaign, Syriza had made had made it pretty clear they had ruled out going into coalition with other parties. Uh, among them PASOK, uh, the, a breakaway PASOK group being led by the former Prime Minister, George Papandreou, as well as a new centrist grouping called Potami, which stands for River. It's 
a bit left, it's a bit on the right, and it's, and it's very much in the centre. So uh, Alexis Cyprus had ruled out uh, a coalition with them. The only name he didn't uh, include in that list of, of, uh, of, of, of definite knots was the independent Greeks. The independent Greeks were, were, are a product of the crisis. It's, uh, it's a, a right-wing party, nationalist party, anti-austerity party, led by a former deputy minister in a new democracy government. Um, it kind of ro- rode the wave of anti anti-Troika and in, in many ways anti-German sentiment in, in, in 2012 and, and was elected in, in, in the elections of, of that year. It's uh, the, the, the two parties, the only thing that they, that they can, can really agree on or share a view on is a, a dislike of austerity and a dislike of, of the Troika. But apart from that, they have diametrically opposing views on, you know, on, on crucial issues, certainly issues that would be crucial for Syria, such as immigration, citizenship, uh, same-sex marriage, um, uh, education. That, you know, so it, 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 it is, that, that is going to be interesting for, 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 for Greeks to see how uh, Syriza can pursue, or if it will pursue, any of its kind of uh, you know, non-economic, social, and political agenda. So the independent Greeks are on board. Their leader uh, has been given the uh, defense ministry, which some people say could work out for Syriza in that, you know, Syria is not a party that is normally identified with the police or the military, so it's, uh, it's, it, it, it's seen by some uh, of their supporters as something positive that uh, the defense ministry can be handed over to somebody who, 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 who can identify uh, more with the military. But it is a very unusual uh, coalition. Uh, and actually, maybe, Damien, you could just very briefly describe uh, something about what kind of political organisation Syriza is. It's re- described variously as a far-left group, as a coalition of radical left groups. Just what kind of organisation, what kind of culture does Syriza have as a political organisation? Well, Syriza it originated in the in, in Euro-communism, which was basically, you know, it was a communist party that didn't uh, follow the Moscow line. So that, that it, its origins go back to the late 1960s when there was a split in the communist party between you know, Moscow loyalists and, and, and people who believed that Greece or France or Germany could go their own way uh, to communism. That's, that's at the root of the party. So it's, it's, it, is never, it has never been dogmatic or as doctrinaire as, 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 as the Communist Party proper. Over the years, it's gone through various formations and various name changes. And in its, its current setup uh, dates back to about 2008, 2009, when, a, a co- when the main Euro-Communist left party and about 11 or 12 other left-wing groups banded together to form an, elect- an electoral pact to maximize their impact. And uh, in, in, in 2009, they got almost 5% of the vote. That went up to 27% in 2012. And that's when the decision was made to form one party out of this, uh, this um, diverse group of, of, of parties. Um, in, and in, in, since 2012, there has been, uh, people refer to it as a pasokification. <laughs> a lot of people have come in from the form from the Socialist Party uh, into PASOK. So that, that process has, has kind of moved the party a bit more to, uh, to the centre-left. It is difficult to define. I mean, when I see you know, the term far-left used, it, 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 it doesn't always correspond with some of the people I know who, who, who are in Syriza. There is a 30% block within the party which is quite, uh, which could be um, classified as far-left in that they believe in, 
in nationalization of industries and, and, and that kind of thing. And one of their, their figureheads has been made uh, the minister of the Super Ministry of Productive Reform. They've, they've created an ministry called Productive Reform, Environment and Energy for him. So it'll be very interesting to see how he, uh, this leader of the le- left bloc within Syriza, within Syriza, how he uh, deals with, uh, with his portfolio. And so, uh, Damien, um, just the, the, the mood in Greece now after the election, the, we saw some uh, euphoric scenes in Athens uh, among Syriza supporters, but among people more generally, how would you describe the mood uh, in the aftermath of the election? Uh, I think from what I, can, from what I was told and what I picked up, people voted for Syriza because they, were, they wanted change. Uh, they, they wanted to see something different, and they wanted to see somebody else trying something different. Um, they, 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 they said they have, you know, the, the view is that they, they've had enough of 40 years of rule of by new democracy and PASOK, the two main parties that have dominated politics since uh, the restoration of democracy in 1974. So they, 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 they had the, the, the nose is full of, of those two parties. That's why they voted for Syriza. And when I asked them, uh, you know, if they believed uh, what they were being told or what Syriza was promising them. They, they were very pragmatic. Very few people um, confessed to me into believing everything that Syriza uh, has promised them. They just, as one person told me, he's, he was a member, he's a member of Syriza for 40 years. He said, if, 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 if we can get, just get three out of the ten things that we have been promised, we'd be happy. So that's, it's, it's, it, there is really a desire to see change within Greece they want to see the. They, they, they do want to see reform. This idea that Syriza is not a party of reform is, is, is somewhat misleading. Uh, the people who voted for Syriza want to see the oligarchs taken on. For example, they want to see. You know, the very, there are a number of very powerful families within Greece. They want to see. Uh, you know, their power tamed uh, somewhat. There is a belief that the people at the top of society don't pay their fair share of the taxes. So, th- th- these are the reasons uh, that people uh, voted for Syriza. Um, there is a sense of excitement. There is a sense of change. Uh, yesterday's scenes where we saw the Prime Minister being sworn in, Alexis Tsipras being sworn in, it was all very different. You know, he, he, he showed up without a tie. As he, he doesn't wear one. There was no religious ceremony at the, at the swearing-in ceremony. So, you know, for, 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 for some Greeks, not all Greeks agree with it, but for many Greeks, this, this was really seen as a breath of fresh air and they welcomed it. Uh, Suzanne Lynch in Brussels, the election of this government has been described uh, by many people as uh, as the, uh, having the makings of a collision course with Europe and with the Eurozone uh, members. Is that uh, what we can brace ourselves for? Well, so far, the mood has been very undramatic, if you like. Uh, Eurozone finance ministers met in Mon- on Monday in, in Brussels for a scheduled meeting. And it, it was very noticeable that almost all finance ministers were careful to strike a very balanced, polite uh, tone. These were politicians, after all, and they spoke about having to respect the democratic will of the Greek people and how they looked forward to working constructively with Syriza. Um, but really, I mean, this does mask um, deeper worries about what this means for Greece's relationship with the Eurozone, the Eurozone lenders. Um, the, the first issue that's, that's going to come down the road is in a few weeks, um, the Troika were supposed to go back to Athens to finish the last um, Troika review under the, its bailout. I mean, this is one of the issues about what's happened to Greece. It was so close to the end of um, a four-and-a-half-year four programme. 
Um, so whether Theresa is going to be able to conclude or even engage or want to engage in this last negotiation will be the first thing to look out for. Um, the head of the Eurogroup, uh, Jerome Dyfeboom, um, who yesterday ruled out a debt write-down, he's due to travel to Athens on Friday, it was confirmed today, and he will meet with Tsipras. Um, so it'll be worth seeing what comes out of that meeting um, in the, his initial soundings. Where the various member states are concerned, Suzanne, can you see any signs as yet of, dif- of, of any divergence in terms of their approach or even in terms of their emphasis with regard to uh, dealing with uh, the new Greek government? Well, I mean, there was a lot of talk at the Eurogroup um, during the press conference about the North-South divide. Um, it was put to Dyson Bloom and other uh, Eurozone leaders, you know, does this reflect um, these deep divisions that people have, have traced since the start of the Eurozone crisis? And that was refuted. They said, no, Europe is united on this. They, they you know, said that this division, this geographical division is, it, division is false, and Ireland was cited a number of times as one of the northern countries, if you like. Um, it seems that most... Uh, EU leaders moved to congratulate the new Prime Minister. David Cameron, for example, rang Cyprus last night and he said earlier this morning, he, he, in, a, in a nice rage, he said, um, we're not exactly ideological soulmates, he said, but we, I did give Mr Cyprus some advice and he said he spoke to him about attacking tax evasion and that kind of thing. So, but arguably the, it's, the, it's the Prime Ministers on the left that might have more to fear, paradoxically. For example, the Italian Prime Minister Renzi, now he's facing a first stage in a presidential vote this this week. And as we've seen in Ireland, the victory in, in Greece for a left-wing party has galvanised the, the, the hard left in a number of countries. So Renzi, for example, um, could be under pressure to keep dominance of his own democratic party as you know, the more left-wing um, parts of the Italian political system are somewhat galvanised by the events in Greece. Uh, Paddy Smith, uh, this uh, for European politics, how much, uh, how great a challenge is this uh, this election and is this new government to the political system? Well, I think it's it's, it's uh, hugely important. As you said at the start, it's the first election of a seriously left wing government since the Popular Fronts of of 1936 in France and and in Spain, and and the uh, reality is that Syriza in different forms is reflected in a, in a number of of the European countries uh, that that people talk about Sinn Féin um, in Ireland but it's certainly also the case that that the independents and the left parties in Ireland may may very well benefit and there's there's certainly a sense that the Irish political class is looking rather nervously at this and if uh, if uh, Syriza is seen to succeed in 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 getting a, a, a substantial debt write down, uh, the, there's a sense that maybe Irish voters will say, "Well, if they can do it, why don't we do it? Why don't we do it, do it here too?" What what is quite striking is is that there is a there seems to be a divergence between the politicians, the political class, who are still maintaining the line of, of cautious and you know Greece must pay its debts, and econ- economists and uh, many economists are saying, "Look, these this is completely." Uh, unrealistic. It's not a question of, of, of moral hazard now. It's a question of can Greece uh, repay its debts? And there's a striking paragraph which I might read you from the, the, the Financial Times today about the, the, um, the, the question of the, of the, 
the debt. This is an editorial. This is an ed- editorial in the, in the Financial Times, and it does reflect what I'm saying about the economists uh, uh, and their view hardening that, that support must be found for Greece. It says to service its debt burden would require Greece to operate as a quasi-slave country economy. Uh, <clears throat> running a primary surplus of 5% of gross domestic product for, for years, purely for the benefit of its foreign creditors. And even the IMF has dropped hints uh, in favour of some debt forgiveness. Uh, it, it's quite clear that something has to, to give. And uh, the, the line that seems to be taken is that it will be a rescheduling of debt rather than a write-down of debt which in practice is the same thing in, in, in a different name because the effect is, is the same in terms of... So, so what is emerging is, is the possibility of a deal. Uh, whether the gap is still too wide, we don't know. But there's talk in some of the papers today of some 30 billion available uh, through this uh, process of rescheduling. Uh, whether that's enough, the Greeks, isn't clear. Uh, Arthur Beasley, uh, there are two elements in a way to what uh, uh, the new Greek government is looking for. One is this write-down or a rescheduling of uh, of the debt, and the other is to drop some of the uh, the policies, the uh, the austerity policies and the labour market reforms that were imposed by the Troika. How realistic are either of those? Well, uh, if you look at the first level in terms of the reduction of the overall debt, I think Paddy is quite right. I think what is in play, and there are very strong signals coming from an assortment of European countries, that Europe is essentially willing to engage on the notion of a reduction in the interest rate uh, to a very, very low rate on the first round of bailout loans. Those loans still carry a higher rate of interest than the loans granted under the second Greek bailout. There is also under discussion the notion of a very long prolongation of the two rounds of bailout loans, uh, which would mean that Greece would be in a position where it would not have to start repaying the principal amount borrowed in the course of the last five years until a, a good many years hence. And the anticipation is that that would give the government, uh, because it is no longer compelled to start repaying the principal uh, in the here and now, that would give it a little bit more leeway in terms of the uh, budget policies it would be able to introduce. In other words, a little bit of fiscal space to be granted to uh, Mr. Tsipras as uh, in recognition of the mandate he has received and in recognition of the promises he has made uh, that austerity will come to an end and that uh, all the kind of very harsh measures introduced will be unwound. And one of their ideas is that you would link the repayments uh, of the debt to uh, economic growth in Greece. And this is an idea that goes back to the London Debt Conference in 1953, which is basically the deal they gave the Germans when they relieved their debt. Is that a runner at all in Europe? Um, uh, Well, in the first instance, I mean, there there would appear to be a, a huge resistance to the notion of a debt conference, which would write down the principal amount due. The the basic problem is is that 85% of the overall debt burden at this point is now owed to the other countries of the Eurozone. And we know that from the start of the debt debacle going on now for so many years that uh, the, the, the very release of loans from countries such as Germany and the Netherlands and Finland and all the rest of it uh, proved controversial in those countries. So if the, those countries were to offer a debt haircut, there would be a loss on the taxpayers of the creditor countries, thereby creating political 
political pressure uh, in, in, in those countries. Now, the debt negotiations can go on for some time, for a number of months. It's easy enough to uh, to, to keep those going for a bit. One thing which uh, can have a very uh, sudden impact would be the European Central Bank. And if they were to uh, cut off the emergency funding for uh, the Greek banks, how likely is that to happen? Well, that is quite a, a serious issue because the uh, ECB's support for the Greek banking system is predicated on the presence of an EU IMF programme and the current programme is to expire by the end of February. Now, two things can happen. That programme can be prolonged while talks continue on the next programme or else there was going to have to be a new programme. But it seems to me there is plenty scope for compromise there and once you have a an engagement on, around all sides of the table, well then the ECB is simply not going to walk away. But there is going to have to be a signal from the new government and indeed from the rest of the Eurozone partners that uh, a, 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 a meaningful engagement is underway and that there are conditions in place for a, uh, an extension of the existing programme while these talks take place. But it is quite a serious issue because without the support of the ECB, it seems to me that the Greek banks are bust. Paul Gillespie, uh, Syriza is an overtly European political movement and uh, and uh, Cyprus speaks about uh, Syriza as being part of a, of a broader uh, European movement of the left. Is he right? Are we seeing uh, signs of more of this happening elsewhere in Europe? I think he is right. Uh, um, the, the resonance it's had elsewhere is very clear. We're hearing a lot about Spain. We're hearing, indeed, the discussion that's in Ireland. Uh, we're hearing, in a different kind of way, uh, animation in, in France amongst the left there. Uh, even Hollande uh, is, is welcoming uh, as Cameron did, but in a different kind of way, perhaps resurrecting the idea that Hollande floated when he came to power, uh, that there might be um, some kind of alliance of of, of southern states uh, on macroeconomic issues, uh, which Hollande never would, would never able to deliver deliver on. And it seems to me that if she pursues this. Uh, uh, very pronounced European line. The logic of it is to find allies, uh, both in his own, as it were, political family, but wider in a wider sense uh, on the left. But also he has the macroeconomic argument and the presence of, of the economist that has been mentioned is, you know, actually a very powerful intellectual contribution because they in turn resonate beyond the left. So it's not just a left phenomenon. It's, it's, it's kind of rather wide, more deeply structured. Is there a, a, a certain irony in the fact that uh, the, the, many uh, people within the European institutions have been banging on for quite a while about the idea of a European demos and cultivating a European demos? And here are these people uh, who are speaking in those terms and yet they're regarded as a terrible risk and that there's a risk of political contagion. Well, yeah, in, in both the po political practice and the theorising about integration, there's been a big debate about the merits of politicisation uh, along these lines against the risks. And the risks, are, those who say it's risky, say that this is a, a, a technical uh, exercise, an executive exercise. There are, there's jobs to be done between states, intergovernmentally, uh, to fix the, the Eurozone if you allow the various cleavages that are now there between richer and poorer, creditors, debtors, and so on, to spill over into politics, it's dangerous and risky. Those who say, who, who 
dispute that, say, no, that this is a natural political progression into the kind of demos that you mentioned. Unless the system can handle this kind of politics, uh, it, it, it will disintegrate anyway, putting it very, very, very baldly. And that is actually something they have to manage into existence. And therefore, it's fascinating in this sense that it's the, perhaps the creation of a wider sense of European uh, political uh, sentiment. Uh, Damien Macanola in Athens, uh, Alexis Tsipras and indeed many of the Syriza spokesmen have been very, very clear saying that they uh, they absolutely don't want Greece to leave the euro in any way. They feel that would be a catastrophe for Greece. How far are they prepared to go to stay within the euro? Well, I was uh, listening to some of the comments uh, made by uh, Yanis Varoufakis um, in his interviews with the press over the last few days, and he speaks very much in terms of... Uh, of finding a European solution for what he describes as, as, as a European, a European problem. He 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 was asked, would would the government ever threaten a Greek exit or uh, threaten to pull it, to pull Greece out out of the eurozone? He said that would that would never be an option uh, for for his for his government, and it wouldn't be a tactic either. Um, he he talks in terms of finding a fair deal for. He said any outcome or the 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 the, the solution that he will work towards will be something that would benefit Greek taxpayers and Irish taxpayers and German taxpayers. He said he's not interested in, in getting a deal that will only only uh, benefit the Greek taxpayers. So he's he's he, he 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 he's adamant about being a European, about thinking as a European and uh, uh I, I know I know um, he also told me personally that he believes he's a European Federalist. So this is that's the mindset of of, of, of the of the finance minister. We'll have to see how that will be, uh, how, we, how we express that at, at the U.S. own level and at a higher level, but certainly from, from his perspective, and I think in general from Syria's perspective, uh, the, 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 the general feeling is that Greece should be part of, of, of the euro and, and, and has been overall a, better, a, a good thing that uh, Greece is a member. Um, there is a small part, as I say, a small part of the party that is more sceptical, uh, skeptical about the common currency and skeptical about the benefits of European membership, but uh, you know, the, the majority of series are uh, members and, and MPs and uh, Alexis Tsipras, the leader, they they are very much uh, see themselves on, as on a European path. Suzanne Lynch uh, in Brussels, uh, there, there were some noises from Berlin a while ago which were suggesting that the German government is now a bit more relaxed than it was in the past about the uh, the idea of a Greek exit from the euro and that although it wouldn't be desirable that it would be something that uh, the eurozone is now robust enough to cope with. What is the feeling in Brussels about how uh, how dangerous a step a Greek exit might be? Yeah, well, I think the performance of markets since the election on Sunday tells, tells its own story. Um, they've been very calm. So there, there is a sense that this contagion effect that was a main source of worry back at the height of the Eurozone crisis, that that, that is now abated. So there is a uh, prevailing sense that, um, you know, an, an economy, a country that's worth only about 2% of European GDP, that, that I suppose, in a sense, the Eurozone um, could afford to, to lose it. Um, and certainly markets seem to suggest that they uh, expect some kind of compromise to be hammered out. But I think what, what Arthur said earlier is crucial. I mean, we're not talking about banks and bondholders here, the language. We're talking about the main creditors are being Euro- European countries. Um, Michael Noonan said yesterday in Brussels, that Ireland itself has contributed to the Greek bailout only by 350 million, um, but still that he said, you know, 
Irish taxpayers' money is at play here. So, you know, is it going to be enough to convince the Eurozone partners um, to, to allow, concede some kind of right down on that set? It's still looking extremely unlikely. I mean, one other point to make um, about you know, the impact of, of this success of a, of a far-left party is that there is a feeling here in Brussels that... Um, it's it's better to have a far left party in power than a far right par- party in power. Um, I think the real fear is is, is parties like the National Front in France, um, in UKIP in Britain. I mean, Cypress made that point in his own article for the Irish Times last week. If you don't listen to the public, you are going to end up with with Le Pen in power. So to that in, in to that extent, we could see Europe trying to engage as much as as possible. Uh, with Sarita in the next few weeks to try and keep them keep them on board on, on some level. Uh, Arthur, uh, the Irish government has been uh, speaking throughout most of this uh, controversy as if uh, Ireland is essentially a creditor country rather than a debtor country. Uh, why is that? Um, I think in the first instance, I think there would be, if were there to be a deal, were there to be a debt conference, were there to be a very large write-down of the Greek debt, well then certainly I think the Irish government would be very interested in having some of that. At the moment, however, I think the calculation in Dublin is that uh, Berlin is not going to grant Greece that step. And that for as long as there's going to be no debt conference, well, then I think Dublin is going to say, look, at uh, this is not something we believe would be desirable in the first instance. However, I think, I think it's without doubt that were there to be major concessions to Greece, well, then it's for sure that the government in Dublin will be seeking much of the same. Uh, Suzanne was mentioning the markets and, uh, and the fact that the markets have been calm. Is one factor in the calmness of the markets the impact of quantitative easing and the fact that the impact of quantitative easing is more powerful than uh, the impact of the Greek election? I think there's no doubt about that. And I think what's interesting is that the Greek election was called uh, at a time when the ECB was already moving towards quantitative easing. So QE is not a response to the Greek election and the likelihood of the Syriza coming to power. I think where QE is in, so QE has given the markets some comfort, there's no doubt. But where it is important as well, within the wider political debate around austerity and the anti-austerity, the growth of the anti-austerity faction, is that QE in fact fact gives a degree of fiscal space to the governments of the Eurozone because when the ECB starts buying up their bonds from March, and remember this will continue for 19 months, well then the interest that those governments pay on those bonds will find its way back into their treasuries. And that's money, if you like, money in the bank for those governments. And that means that even though the rhetoric says, look at austerity and reform is still what we are about, we need to correct our economies, uh, that that means that there's going to be a little bit more fiscal space for those governments. And that's very important given the kind of alienation we now see right around Europe at these very, very harsh and very severe uh, budgetary retrenchments that are ongoing for many years. Uh, Paddy Smith, can uh, can we talk for a moment about the uh, historical uh, context of all of this? We mentioned the 1930s, the the French and the Spanish popular fronts in 1936, and of course there was also a similarity to the 30s in that there were also far-right movements going on at the same time. Are the 1930s the best parallel to what we're looking at now in Greece and elsewhere in Europe? 
Well, I think the balance of forces is is quite different. I mean, you've got to remember that the result of the, the the election of the Spanish Popular Front was was the the uh, the Franco coup uh, in and the uh, uh, the descent of, of of Spain into into a very bloody uh, civil war. Uh, the effect of the, the the French Popular Front was was a very brief. Uh, radical uh, legislative program by the the government, but which then, in the force forced by economic circumstances, moved back towards a conservative uh, position. I think, in <clears throat> in many ways, the parallel that is most interesting in terms of of what may happen uh, next in 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 Greece is the election of of Lula in in Brazil in in two thousand and two. Uh, his party, the Workers' Party, was very much, very similar, actually, to Syriza, <clears throat> a mass uh, Workers' Party with a, a left-wing uh, Marxist uh, program, talked about uh, um, basically writing off the, the, the debt of, of, of Brazil. And Lula uh, was elected and began to work out how he could uh reach many of his objectives, which he did socially, uh, very important social change in Brazil, while uh, making an accommodation with capitalism, if you like. And I think I, I think uh, Cyprus, in, in many ways, is quite like uh, Lula. And uh, it, it, at the, the time we're at at the moment, uh, it seems to me that, that you're, you're more likely to see a Brazil uh, situation emerge in, in, in Greece. Uh, Paul Gillespie? Yes, uh, I'd go along with that. Uh, another parallel is uh, Mitterrand's election in, in 1981, uh, when they, they had a quite a radical program. It wasn't as radical, perhaps, as Syriza. Uh, they wanted to do things at, at national level uh, and came up against a big market reaction. So going back to Syriza, the, the, the European component of this is really strategically very important. And I, and I some, you heard talk about hope uh, uh, coming through in Greece, it does raise expectations and hope. Perhaps the political action, you know, eventually uh, can break through some of the, uh, the, the, the pallor and pall of, uh, of austerity. Is this a challenge to uh, the European institutions politically? It is, yes. Uh, uh, to, to respond, uh, to adapt, to be able to deal with this uh, politically at executive level, but also institutionally. Yes, it is. Yeah. Arthur? Well, I mean, if, if you like what's happened, what we've seen is this is a, a moment of democracy. What you, you have is virtually the elimination of the two established parties of, of Greek democracy for the last 40 years. They're nowhere to be seen now. Now, basically, what is a... Uh, a not a completely new novel movement, but a, a, a an old party party which is now enjoying a, a novel degree of a, of of supporting Greece and now has an overwhelming mandate from the people of Greece. Finally, Damien, can I go back to you in Athens? Uh, do you think we're going to see uh, Cyprus following the path of Lula? Do you do you think that the hope that has been invested in this new government by uh, many people in Greece and elsewhere is well founded? You know, Alexis Cyprus is, is untried and untested. He's never held ministerial office. We, 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 what we know about him, what we know about his political skills are from his, his own uh, activities within his party, uh, his, his political origins and, and, and his leadership. And, uh, you know, so, somebody made the point, uh, he first got, in politics, got involved in politics at the age of 16 with school occupations. And uh, a friend of his at the time uh, remembered 
that at the time they, they wanted to abolish exams, they wanted to abolish timetables, they wanted to abolish teachers, they wanted to abolish everything. But Tsipras, uh, he, he took control of this movement and he managed to, to bring in the more radical elements. I mean, he was 16 years of age himself, but he managed to, to bring in uh, the, the, the more uh, extreme and radical elements uh, and uh, focus that campaign on, on one issue, which was to rescind uh, an, a, a new education uh, law, and they succeeded. So the, 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 one school of thought say that he's, he is quite pragmatic, and he has an ability to bring in uh, people who have, uh, regardless of his own views, but he's able to bring in people who, have, uh, who are more radical than himself in the pursuit of, of a single goal. So... Um, uh, we just have to see uh, how it plays out. Uh, it, it depends on his own abilities. It depends on his new government, which 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 has been announced this afternoon. And ultimately, I think it depends on uh, on, on on how this new government is received uh, at a European level. So it's uh, um, it, it's it remains an open an open issue. Damien McAnally in Athens, Suzanne Lynch in Brussels, and Paddy Smith, Paul Gillespie, and Arthur Beasley here in Dublin. Thank you. And that's all from this edition of Worldview. You can find more on all our stories at irishtimes.com and you can contact us at worldview at irishtimes.com. But from producer Sinead O'Shea, sound engineer Gary White, and from me, Dennis Staunton, goodbye.